Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. I'm so excited to preach today. Job chapter one, we're going to be wrapping up this series, Imagine More Faith in. Job chapter one, I got to read a big text, so you got to bear with me. The whole chapter. Here we go. Ready? It was in the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. The man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. I'm going to skip down a little bit. Verse 6. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There was no one like him in the earth. He is blameless and upright. He is a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything that he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day, Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine, and the oldest brother at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put servants to the sword and I am the only one left who is here to tell you while he was still speaking another messenger came and said the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you while he was still speaking another messenger came and said the Chaldeans formed raiding parties and swept on your camels and made off with them they put the servants to the sword and I'm the only one left who escaped to tell you while he was still speaking anybody ever have a day like this while he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking and wine at the oldest brother's house. And suddenly a mighty wind swept from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. And I'm the only one left to tell you. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to ground and worshiped and said, I, I want to speak to you today around this idea of imagine more faith in Christ through prayer. Let me pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, as we open up your words, speak to us in a way that only you can. Change us in a way that's only possible with you. Lord, help us to see you clearly today. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. There's a baby brother. And the baby brother went to his dad and he said, dad, I want, I want, I want, I, I want another little brother. So there was a baby brother who wants another little baby brother. And his dad said, well, you know, son, we don't have any control over this. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to ask the Lord for a baby brother. So the baby brother goes to his prayer closet. And that's exactly what he does. Month one, he prays, Lord, give me a baby brother. Month two, he prays, Lord, please give me a baby brother. Month three, he prays, Lord, give me a baby brother. Six months later, uh, well, obviously, uh, his mom got pregnant, and six months later, a baby was born. A baby brother came out, and then another baby brother came out. 
and another baby brother came out. And the dad rushed to the son and said, son, aren't you so glad, glad that God answered your prayers? And the son replied, dad, aren't you so glad I only prayed three times? <laughs> right? The, the, the wonder, the mystery, and the beauty of prayer. I mean, prayer is it's such an interesting topic. It's awesome. It's powerful. But prayer can also be awkward and stressful, especially if you're a believer and you've been in some difficult situations. I think sometimes we stress out because when we're praying, especially in a group, we want to say the right thing. Anybody ever been there? We want to sound good. Blessed art thou, our Lord that brings bread from the earth, right? Get a little accent on the end. We, we want to sound good. Why we, we want to, to put all the fancy stuff, Lord, I need a revelation so I can declare with proclamation the justification and the sanctification ramified by every other shun. We just want to sound amazing. Now, for a pastor, it's kind of par for the course. Whenever you're out to dinner, like family birthday party or maybe friends, and it's time to pray at the dinner table. Nobody wants to do it. And they all look at the pastor like, you gonna, you gonna pray, you gonna do, you gonna handle this one. Like, no, we're all supposed to pray. You don't need me to pray. I think it's also, it, prayer can be a little bit scary, especially when you're told to get in a circle and hold hands. Anybody ever been in one of those prayer times? And you're terrified because all of a sudden you start to realize everybody is going around the circle and praying and it's about to come to you. And because you're terrified of praying out loud, your hands start to get sweaty. So you start to get more nervous and awkward. And then all of a sudden you're not even listening to what's being prayed. You're thinking about what you're going to say. You're not even in the moment. You're just like, what am I going to say? How's it going to come out? And then this is the worst. Right before you, the person steals your prayer. Like says everything you were about to say. And in your mind, you're like, no. Sometimes we're afraid to pray out loud by ourselves. That's why we do Thursday morning prayer on Zoom. And we all cry out loud because we want to get you comfortable with praying out loud. It can be awkward when you're in your car and you're praying with no tinted windows. Like, like a great prayer hack, just put your little ear pods in or your, or your little lanyard or your little, you know, headphones. Just put them in your ears and you can shunda the bow tie and nobody will ever know. You can just be like, just, just. <laughs> you're just talking to the Lord. So if you're a Christian, you've been there. You've been there. I, I think with prayer, though, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, that if we're not careful, our faith in prayer can rest in a performance or a process rather than a person. And it can be tough. Like prayer can be a tough thing, not just stressful and awkward sometimes. It can also be tough because it can feel like we're knocking on this huge door wondering what the response is going to be. Yeah. God, are you going to respond in the way that I need you to respond? I remember my mom, before she got saved, she was going through a really tough time and she, she grew up Catholic. And, you know, I don't think they taught this at the church, but she just kind of had a predisposition that God resided at the church. And so she was going through a really rough time and 
felt like God was so far away. So she's like, I got to get close to God. So she ran to St. Leandro's church in St. Leandro and she went to open the door and it was locked. Could you imagine that night of, man, like I, I want to get close, but I can't. Thankfully, somebody invited my mom to church, hashtag invite Sunday. My mom got saved, and now my mom loves to pray wherever she's at. She knows that God is not distant. He's not just a big door, that he's close. But I think sometimes prayer also raises questions like, how does God relate to this world? As a pastor, I get this one all the time. Like, how does God relate to this world, all the pain and the anguish, the suffering, the disease, high gas prices? Hello, somebody. Like, how does God relate to this? Because it's one thing to believe that God created the heavens and the earth. It's another thing to pray to him. It's a lot different to pray to him. Because when we pray to him, what we're saying is not only are you the creator of all things, but you care and want to be intimately involved in what's happening here and now. Like you actually want to be a part of my life. What's going on? You care about your creation. I think we have questions like, how does God relate to his children? Come on, as God's kids, we want to know that when we come to him, that his heart is moved toward us. We want to know that he answers. We want to know that God cares, that he hears our cry. And somehow as we cry out to him, God is moved to action. That things can actually change. That something can actually shift. We see in scripture these beautiful moments of Joshua crying out to God that God would keep the daylight, that, that he would extend it so they can continue to fight the battle, like God hold the sun. Just stop and think about that for a moment. God answered that prayer. I was like, man, it must have messed up the flow of like all of creation. Like the sun is not, there's a rhythm to creation. And God stopped the flow so they can continue to fight and have victory in the battle. I think about in the, in the book of James, James talks about Elisha. And, and what James does, he makes a very, a, a very important distinction that Elisha was a man just like us. And he prayed that it would not rain for three years, and it didn't. How many of you guys know in California, we're like, we need rain, Lord. We need it to rain for three years. I just heard that we, we just paid like, I don't know, several million dollars to start a desalutation plant because they're, they're nervous about the drought. That's where you convert salt water into fresh water. So Lord, let it rain. But, but I think we, we also have some questions. God, what are you like? Like, what's your character like? Because I'm in pain. I want to know if you care. Like, do you really care? I'm told you care. Like, the pastor tells me every week. Like, I've heard from people that you care, but do you really care? The disciples on the Sea of Galilee, the storm hits. And what do they say? Wake up. Don't you care that we're going to drown? Like, we want to know God's character. I'm confused. Do you really have the wisdom that I need? I'm, I'm struggling. Can I really trust in you, John the Baptist? About to be beheaded. One moment proclaiming Jesus is the Lamb of God. The next moment, man, are, are, are you the one we should expect? Because I just didn't see this in the plan like this. I'm about to get my head cut off. So I just want to make sure you're the guy. And Jesus said, go back and tell John what you see, the, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. But we, we want to know God's character. Sometimes we've experienced where we prayed and the opposite seems to happen. Anybody ever been there? Sometimes it's a mystery. I've, play, I've, I've prayed for babies on life support and they've died. And then I, I prayed for, I prayed for a, a man that 
wasted his liver away. It's jaundice at 32 years old because he drank so much. I lay hands and pray for him and God heals him. What do you, what do, you do with that? We want to know, God, what, what, what are you like? We wonder, should we keep praying? Should we keep knocking in certain things on certain doors? Should, should we stop? Does it matter when we pray? We have all these questions. But I think if there's anybody that has the same questions that we do, it's Job. Like you just saw, I mean, Job was living his best life and then boom, 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 gone. And so we're not going to be able to unpack all the mysteries of prayer today. We're not going to be able to unpack the entire book of Job. But we are going to, we are going to lean in a little bit. Chapter 1, God affirms as Satan approaches that Job is blameless. This guy is full of integrity. He fears God. He's upright. He's healthy. He's wealthy. He's eating good. He's the richest guy on the planet. Stayed away from evil. And we see something about Job in Job chapter 1, verses 5. He says, when these celebrations ended, sometimes several days, Job would purify his children. I love this. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. So sons and daughters would come over for birthdays. Festivities would be going, as you saw, they would be drinking some wine. And Job just thought, maybe in all of the festivity, maybe you curse God. So just to make sure, Job just didn't offer spank offerings. He offered burnt offerings for his kids because he wanted to make sure his family was solid. He was a man that crossed his T's and dotted his I's. He was a priest of his home. We see a spiritual fervor with this guy. This guy was serious about it. He was a man of integrity. And he had a pretty good deal going on with God, a pretty good system. I mean, think about it. He's like, I'm going to offer burnt offerings on behalf of my children, and I'm, I'm confident that it's going to go well with you. Like, you don't even need to deal with God yourself. I'm just going to step in and do this. Me and God got this thing going. It's, it's really amazing. But we're going to see the posture of Job's faith through his prayer life and the progression of it, I think is going to help us. And we see, first of all, that Job started off with a faith of investment. Now, a faith of investment, it's I'm investing in hopes of return. Like, God, me and you have an agreement. And I know that the way that I live my life, there is a return on investment. I live right, you bless me. Like, we're, we're, we're solid. We have a good thing going. And nothing is essentially wrong with that. And this is why I have to be very careful that I frame this right. Because we should expect from God. Like there is blessing in obedience. When we come to God, we should expect that God is going to do his part as we do our part. But I want to get underneath to the motive of this. Because it can, get, it can become very much a works-based prayer life and faith that's, that's really trying to get something from God rather than God being the prize himself. And so Job, you know, again, I believe that this man really, he feared God, he loved the Lord, but he, he's still a man. And so, so Job had this, this interaction, this faith of investment. We do our part, God does his part. But here's a caveat. We do our part, God does do his part. But where we get messed up is when we want God to do his part our way. Like, come on, I read my Bible this morning. My day should be amazing, God. 
Like, have you ever had just incredible devotions and then you go about your day and it's terrible? And you're like, what happened? Like, we have an agreement. I, I spent an extra couple of verses today. I journaled, I prayed. Now, now, the chances are, if you're spending time with God, your day is probably going to go good no matter what happens because God is working in your heart. Um, you know, your perspective is on him. So, yeah, it's, that's a natural overflow of your relationship with him. But when we start to get jaded and expect things like that, I read, so you owe. It starts to get a little weird. I gave a dollar in the offering today. My bank should be full by next week. Do you know, there was a time that Jackie and I gave away a car and we struggled for like six months. And you have those thoughts like, God, I just gave away a car. And at the time, I can talk about it now because it was a long time ago. But I was like, we gave away a car and we're struggling. Like all our needs are provided for, but those thoughts can pass your mind. And, and our reward was so much more than monetary. I mean, God, like we just knew that God was in the whole thing. But, but you can get caught in this weird thing. I'm going on a mission trip. I'm praying for protection so nothing should happen to me. Yeah, well, you're going to like one of the most hostile regions of the world. Missionaries go and die all the time. And so, so yeah, we should expect you to do your part, but just not do it our way. Like we're walking in obedience, we're applying God's principles. There's blessing in that. When, when you pray, you should expect God to answer. There is power, there is joy, there is life, there is fullness in following Jesus. But the motivation is huge. Jesus dealt a lot with the motivation of the heart. The religious leaders prayed out of routine, but not out of relationship. That's why when Jesus came on the scene and said, this is how you pray, our Father, everybody was like, what? You, you call him Dad? Whoa, that's way more relational than we're used to hearing. Like, I didn't even know, like, we could relate to God the Father that way. Because that's just not what they were used to. The, the religious leaders would pray on the street corner for selfish ambition and gain. Like, look at us in our robes and our tassels, you know, just doing their little prayer deal so that everybody could look at them. And so all I'm saying is, is this, is that faith of investment can be transactional rather than personal. And you got to be careful. This, this faith will, will focus on benefits over God himself. Many of our prayers, they kind of come from this place. We say, God, I'm going to do my part. You're going to do your part. But we're, and sometimes we're so committed to this, like when we don't do our part, we don't expect anything. We're like, yeah, I blew it today, so the game is over today. Forgetting that God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, that God can still bless you in spite of you. Do you see how we get caught up in that? It's just, it's so transactional. God, you owe me. This is how you know you've gotten away from the gospel. If you think God owes you, you don't understand the gospel. If you think, hey, God, look at all I've done. How could you? You don't understand the gospel. Because in reality, God doesn't owe us anything. What do we deserve? We deserve death. That's why he came and died on the cross. We're in need of a savior. And the list goes on. That's a whole nother sermon. But God doesn't owe us anything. So we don't, we don't want a faith that says, what can I get from you? We don't want a faith that just says, you know, what, what can I uh, obtain? What is going to be the return on this investment? Unless that return is knowing him. 
We want a faith that is interested in knowing him, not just gaining from him. Are you tracking with me? And it's, it's huge. Because a lot of times for us, even some right now, we're, we're resting in a system instead of a person. And so if the system is working right now, you're great. But if the system is broke right now, you're destroyed. And you're thinking, even as I'm speaking, like, that's me. You know, there were times where Dave, King David would go on a military campaign and the Holy Spirit would say, the Lord would say, hey, I want you to move this way. Go this route, do this, do that. And there were times where David could have just ran that same play because it, it seemed like it would make sense. But he would inquire of the Lord every time. And, and sometimes the Lord would say, no, 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 I don't want you to do it that way. I want you to go this way because we serve the living God who we're able to commune with, be in relationship with. We were never meant to be driven or led by a system, but rather driven by the living God, led by the spirit of God as we go through our life. Are you guys tracking with me? So what am I saying? I'm saying that Job is, is in a difficult spot because there's a glitch in the system. Something has changed. He hasn't changed. He's like, I've been doing great. Satan goes to God and he says, hey, I want to talk about, you know, your guy, Job, and the Lord confirmed, dude, Job is blameless. He's upright. He's a good dude. And Satan was like, yeah, it's because you bless him. Like, really, God, it's a smack in the face of God because what Satan is saying, you got to pay people to honor you. If you take away the stuff, you're not going to be enough. So let's really see, like, like, like where he's really at. If you take away the stuff, he's not going to be enough. Job loses his kids. His animals, his career, the only support he had was his wife, and she's suffering. She gets weary, and so she turns on Job and just says, why don't you curse God and die already? So much pain, so much confusion, and Job is in this place where all of a sudden, the system and God is not making sense. He's like, I just can't categorize it anymore. We had such a good thing, God. What's wrong? I'm still doing what's right. My life is still upright. I'm still doing all the stuff you've called me to do. What's happening? Anybody been there? And and I love what Job says. Job is, he's fighting, but he's he's tasted that God is good. So he's just confused because he's like, "I, I know you. I thought I knew you. What's wrong? I think sometimes we think because there's problems, we're doing something wrong. But then we read passages like Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have difficulty. And we preach it, well, in this life, you're going to have trouble. But be of good cheer. It sounds great until you're in trouble. Then you're like, I don't want, I don't have cheer. And so look, look what Job says. Job says, what I've always feared has happened to me. What I've dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Only trouble comes. This word, feared, it means awe. So I was like, man, Job, two things had your awe. God had a portion of it, and so did fear. It's like, it's it's happened. This is the thing that I always fear. I want to live upright. I want to live just. I want to make sure I'm doing because I could not imagine no peace, no quietness, and no rest. Can you see that? Like Job's in awe of God, but he's also fears not having life work well. 
So I want to make sure we got this system good, God, because I, I, I'm so afraid that if I have no peace, no quietness, no rest, I'm, I'm, it's not going to be enough. So what is he doing? He's knocking. It's not making sense. He's like, oh, God. He's scared, but little does he know he's about to get liberated. He's terrified, but he's about to get free. Because here's the reality. He's realizing that I'm not in control and I can't put God in a box. Joe could probably preach that from the mountaintops, but now he's in it. He's like, man, I, I, I don't have it all figured out. I'm petitioning. And I, he's, he's probably doing it all. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Like every way that he can petition to try to get God back on board, knocking contending, I'm devastated, I'm wrestling. My faith is struggling. My wife tells me to curse God and even my friends have a faith of investment because they come around, they're like, hey, Joe, what did you do, bro? (laughs) Dang. I didn't do anything. And so Job is in this tension where he knows God is true, but it's not lining up with his life. And so what does he say? He says this, this word, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Nobody reads the second verse, though. We all preach the first one. Though he slays me, I will put my trust in him, even though I walk through the valley. But but Job's like, yeah, I will put my hope in him. However, I will argue my ways to his face. That preach is so good. But Job's like, yeah, though he slay me, I'll hope in him. But I got something to say. The system is broke, and I'm still doing my part. I'm still doing well, God. So I'm going to plead my case because none of this makes sense. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep hoping because I know it's the right thing to do. But, but what's, the, what's the deal? He's like, I'm not going to curse you because I know better than that. So now Job is moving to a faith of desperation. And a faith of desperation, some people would say like this, faith isn't faith until it's all you have. It's in the place where you don't understand. I can't figure it out, but you're all I got. Even my wife has turned on me. You're all I got. Now, this is such a huge blessing for Job. The faith of desperation is such a blessing from Job because he's about to get a revelation that he would have never imagined or come to the conclusion of with all of his wealth, ease, and peace. He's about to get this revelation in difficulty, trial, and pain that he might not have discovered otherwise. How many guys know, it's like, man, God, can you please just work another way for me? I just really don't want to go through the faith of desperation. I would much rather go from investment all the way to, to the end, just skip the desperate part. But, but desperation is where faith goes to grow. When it doesn't make sense, we all have stories. When it doesn't make sense, but, but God. Where we continue to hope, though it felt like we were being slayed, I remember the season when I first came to Jesus, three years of like bad anxiety. So bad that I, I told my mom several occasions, you gotta check me in somewhere. I just, my brain is not working right. And I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, man, God, I come, like I'm living crazy in the world and I'm good. I come to you and now I'm wrecked. What? It's, the system is broke. It's not supposed to work like this. What is going on? And here's the crazy part. I don't have any answers for that. I don't know why I went through that season. 
But I do know that my intimacy with him, my knowledge of him, grew immensely in the dark. Where it was confusing, it was tough. See, and, and I would literally pound on the floor and say the very same thing. Don't you slay me. I'm going to trust you. I'm showing up to church every week. I'm doing it. I'm going to keep calm. I'm gonna, and then I, t- I finally told the Lord, if I'm like this for the rest of my life, I will never turn my back on you. Like, so private, just like Peter. I'll never do it. And then the next week, I'm like, where are you? Where are you at? And so, so it's in the face, place of desperation that faith can grow, but faith can also die here. Because it's confusing. It's dark. And the reality of the illusion that we are in control is shattered. And it's like, what do I, like it's real now. Beforehand, it was like kind of real. Now it's real, real. You know, um, I remember hearing about missionaries in Afghanistan. And they were on a mission trip. Half of, the, half of their, their team, they got captured by the Taliban. The whole team did. Half of them got killed, the other half escaped, came back to America. And, um, and they said this, they, they, each one of them went one by one to their pastor and said, hey, we're really struggling. They didn't tell each other this, but they went to their pastor individually and they all said the same thing. Hey, I'm really struggling with my relationship with God here. It was so different. Like we connected with God in such a way when we were in the prison, getting ready to lose our life in a place of desperation where he was all we had. But we're struggling to find that again here. It's almost like in a crazy way we want to go back to the cell. Because in that place of darkness and pain, and it's just, we, he was so close. And so, so Job is in this, this place of desperation. He, he's about to experience, though, the purpose of prayer. He's about to experience the reality of prayer, that it's not just to simply make his life easier. That's not the goal. That, that, that prayer is when we begin to know that there is a loving, true, and living God on the other side of the door. That's why we see in the Gospels, it says, when you pray, shut the door, and your Father is like there, ready to meet you. It's a promise. When you pray, go into the room and shut the door. That we have a loving, heavenly Father on the other side of that door. Prayer has always been about us knowing God before extracting something from him. So, so like, like, for instance, look at, look at Paul's cry. Paul said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. For whose sake I have lost all things. So Paul's like, I've lost everything for the sake of knowing him. And Paul's like, he's preaching. He's like, I'm winning. He says, I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ that I might be found in him, not having the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Do you see Paul's focus? Like like the win in spite of losing all things is knowing him, gaining him, in him. Knowing him, in him, gaining him, found in him. Paul is like, he's the goal. Like, he is the absolute goal. He's like, listen, if I'm experiencing resurrection power, praise God, I want to know him. If I'm in the middle of suffering, praise God, I want to know him. And if I'm becoming like him in his death, like the ultimate, sign me up. 
Paul's like, this is what it's about. Now, some of you guys are like, well, that's great. You didn't help me out at all today. Like, I'm struggling. I could really use that rest, that quietness, and that peace that Job was so afraid to lose. But can I just tell you, Job was struggling too. He wasn't comfortable. 38 chapters, he's pounding on the floor, petitioning, pleading. But what Job didn't need was relief. He needed revelation. Sometimes we're seeking relief. And God's like, no, you need resurrection. You need revelation. And you need resurrection. You need revelation. Not just relief. Job chapter 38, verse 7. Finally, the Lord comes to the door. I love how he starts it off. Job, brace yourself like a man. How do you respond to that? (laughs) When God tells you, brace yourself like a man, what does that even look like? He said, I will question you and you shall answer me. I just think in the moment, Job's like, he's here. Where were you, he said, when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand, Job. Who marked off its dimensions? Like, hey, Job, I know you want to talk about your, little, your, your case, but I want to talk to you about something. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. I mean, it's your Job. Who stretched a measuring line across it on What were its footings set or who laid the cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy? And he continues, he said, who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this is this Far you may come and no further. Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn in its place? And he goes on and Job is like, man, I wanted to talk about this. And the Lord's like, yeah, we're going to talk about this. And we see a shift in Job. Like Job lost everything, and what did he do? He rushed into the presence of God and says, the system is broke. Got to give this back. Fix this. There's a glitch. I'm living right. It's not working my way. What is going on? And and God doesn't even respond to any of that stuff. God starts talking about himself. Where were you? Like, imagine that. I want to talk about my kids. I want to talk about, no, 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 no. I want to talk about this. And it's kind of confusing because... As God is talking about himself, Job starts to heal. He stops complaining. He humbles himself. Guess what? His heart is quiet now, but but nothing has changed. All of his circumstances are still the same. What is God doing? God is making him go back. He's like, Job, you started in the wrong place. You, You started with request and not adoration. Like if you would have just slowed down, adoration is just a term for worship. You should have started there. You know the Lord's Prayer, so famous. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Set apart above every other name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Isn't it so funny how normally we, we pray the Lord's prayer, we just do it backwards. A lot of times we're like, deliver us from evil, please, this is happening, deliver me. I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. And then my friends and my family, like, work out my relationships. And here's my list. And yeah, I want your kingdom to come as long as it works out my way. And then hallowed be your name. Glory to your name. But if, but if it doesn't go my way, you ain't getting no hollows. And, and, and God is like, Job, you just started in the wrong place. Bring your list. Bring your list. Bring your concerns. Bring all that. But you started in the wrong place. It would have totally shifted your posture. So he gets Job to start to recall the greatness of God, to see his majesty. Because the more Job recalled his greatness, his power, his wisdom, his grandeur, self-pity begins to drain out because he starts to realize it's always been about your grace. I didn't deserve any of this stuff. It's always, right? And Job, Job starts to have has a change of heart. No longer self-pity, resentment starts to break because he's like, God, you've always been good and you're so great. Worry and fear start to subside and resentment begins to dissipate because it's always been about your mercy. Hollywood be your name, Job. You just started in the wrong place. See, the majority of our problems start when we forget who God is. But if we can start to recall, it doesn't mean all of the circumstances are going to change, but the pain will start to heal. As, as we start to get our eyes now on the one that prayer is all about. Job got no answers about his kids. He got no answers about his career. He got no answers about his past. All he began to do was see how great God is, and that's what he needed. It seems ridiculous. But some of us, even as I'm saying that, you're like, man, that's not all I need. But that's where you start. He's not saying don't make a request. He's just saying don't start with fix the system. Start with I know who you are. Let me be reminded of who you are. Start here. Start to recall. I promise you it'll change the way that you pray. Everything in our society right now is trying to mess with our neurology to keep us from thinking deep and profound thoughts. Everything is so fast. Like when's the last time you just sat and, and, and just had a moment where you like, I'm gonna think deeply for five minutes. Facebook gives us a three minute video. Instagram, one minute. TikTok, four seconds. Because it's reprogramming our brain on how we move. It's, I'm not hating on any of it. We just have to be mindful that everything is moving so quickly, we don't think deeply like maybe we once used to. And you could see how that could become a huge problem for the church. That if we stop and we forget to recall who he is. Like many of us can't even watch a movie without touching our phone. Like we have such a hard time staying focused 
But this isn't anything new. I, right now, you don't even know what I preached on three. We're at the last sermon of the series. What I preached on four weeks ago. Man, Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's always coming back to Jesus. But Israel had the same problem. It delivers them out of slavery. Then next thing you know, they're building idols because Moses is taking too long on the mountain. God told him, hey, be careful. Let me tell you what gets in the way of our recall is prosperity. He said, be careful. I'm bringing you into this land, but you're going to be surrounded by idol-worshiping nations. You better remember. Pain will cause you to forget. Pressure will cause you to forget. Self-focus will cause you to forget. Some of us were wanting so much attention, it keeps us from paying attention. Let's let that sink for a moment. I love what St. Benedict said. He said it this way. He said, the first step of humility is for one to set the fear of God always before his eyes and utterly avoid all forgetfulness. So what is, what, what is Job moving toward? He's moving from a faith of investment to a faith of desperation to a faith of enough. His heart is calming down. He's being healed. He's being humbled. And look what he says. He says, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. Oh, just think about that statement. Job's like, oh my goodness. I know this. You can do all things. The purpose of yours can't be thwarted, meaning you're at work in this, God. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. One woman said this, she said, I would come to the Lord in my prayer time with my list and I would leave more exhausted. So she said, I started to come with 80% adoration and 20% list. And she said, by the time I got to my list, I'm like, you can do it, God, do this, do that, do that. Because she was so overwhelmed by who he is. Puts everything into perspective. Job goes on to say, he said this, my eyes had heard of you. My ears had, have heard of you. But now my eyes have seen Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and in ashes. Sometimes I think we really believe that God wants us to be miserable. Like, could you imagine a dad taking, if I took my kids to the candy store downtown and I just said, look at all the candy, smell it, look at all the beauty. Now, come on, let's go. You can't have any of it. Like, they're going to be messed up. If I do that to my kids on a ride, they're going to be messed up. They're going to get jaded. They're going to have a false picture of God and their dad. It's... You're always, I don't really know if I can trust you, but God in the garden gave Adam and Eve every tree except one. He said, you can eat from every tree except one, and I don't want you to eat from that because I don't, I have your best in mind and it's going to hurt you. And Satan comes and gets them to focus on the one tree that they can't have. And what does he do? He plants a seed that God isn't good. Some of us, God has done so many things in our life. So many times where it shouldn't have worked, it shouldn't have happened, it, I'm still breathing, I'm still alive, and there's one thing that God hasn't done, and we're like, I'm done. I'm pushing pause on my prayer life. You're not good. I just tell you, you bought into a lie. This is not who our Father is. And if you would recall and remember, you'd probably adjust very quickly like Job. To see that, no, 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 no. He is totally good. 
I don't know why this is happening. But I'm not going to press pause on prayer. I'm going to be persistent in prayer. So can I just encourage you? I, don't, I think communion is probably more important today than it has ever been. It's always been important, every generation. But I just feel like that because we're in this generation, so I get to say that. Pause. Recall. Don't wait for the first Sunday of every month. Don't wait for first Wednesday. Go home. Get with your family. Talk about the greatness and the grandeur and the wisdom and the stories. Don't just take it quickly. Take it slowly. Think deeply and profoundly about who he is and see if that does not change your faith and your prayer life. Let me pray for you. Will you stand to your feet? Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. I know that some are in a trial right now and some are facing difficulty. For some, it's been one thing. And God, I thank you that you are the God of the miraculous, that you care, that you are mindful, that you know. But I pray that you'd help us to get our eyes off the one thing and get our eyes onto who you are. Lord, that our relationship would not be a means of exchange of things, but it would be a means of exchange in heart and relationship, Lord that you would be the goal, that like Paul in every incident, we can lose everything as long as we know you. Lord, let there be a faith of enough, Jesus, that you are enough. No matter what we face, no matter what we're enduring, that ultimately you are enough. It doesn't take away from the grief, it doesn't take away from the pain, it doesn't take away from the difficulty, but just don't let us make decisions out of that place. Let us make decisions on your grandeur, your greatness, your power. That there are some things that are too big for us to fathom, but maybe look to you with a trust, with an adoration, and a faith of enough. That we could live in such a way, though everything may crumble. Lord, we can have peace, rest, and quietness on the inside when all of that has been stripped on the outside. Let that be the reality of our faith. So listen, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up. If you need prayer for anything, if you're in a fight right now, maybe, maybe it's chapter 37 and you're about to quit, let us pray with you and for you today. If you need to surrender your life to Jesus today, if you need to rededicate your life to him, if you've been running from him because of the one thing or because you feel like he hasn't been answering the way that you like, then let us pray with you. Let us stand with you. Let us contend with you. Our prayer team's going to be up here. Our pastors will be up here. Lord, do what only you can do in and through our hearts today. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.